Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to More Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore. You know, you can sign up for the CCA Star Fishing Tournament right now and cast all summer for a chance to win over a million dollars in scholarships and prizes. You can reel in a new boat and truck when you catch a tagged redfish. Kids can earn a $30,000 scholarship that way, by the way. And this year's tournament, I want to salute them for a new conservation element, catch and release with new categories, including bringing back Red Snapper and more tag redfish than ever. Check out the details at startournament.org. Sponsored by Texas Ford Dealers, Tilson Holmes, Academy Sports and Outdoors, Cryptex, Scheiderbach, and Hoffpower Polaris. And this is a great segue into the story I want to tell. About 12 years ago, me and Captain Philip Samuels had taken out Robbie Byers, who's the executive director of CCA Texas. Uh, we were on a mission to catch speckled trout for the spawning and broodstock, broodstock program for the Texas Parks and Wildlife at Lake Jackson's facility called Sea Center, where they do the stocking, the breeding, all the production for fisheries on the Upper Coast, whether it's redfish, speckled trout, or flounder. A lot of research there. It was a bunch of guys from the CCA uh, chapters in the Golden Triangle, including my friend Scott Bandy. And a storm came over there from the Louisiana side. So we retreated from the storm and it started raining on us. And we look up and me and Robbie are in the seat in the front of the console. And we're, we're actually in the seat. We're holding on to that part of the console right in front of the seat. And a wave, we go down into a wave. And this wasn't a normal wave. We just caught it. And it was really crazy. This wave, I guarantee it was eight feet tall. In Sabine Lake, a single wave. We hit the wave. Philip navigated the right way, kind of split it in half. And I thought we were going to go completely under. But the wave went over the boat, over our heads. Like half the wave went in the boat. And uh, he had enough bilge pump to make it. We were probably about a mile and a half from the intercoastal right there. Launched kind of under the bridge at a private industrial boat launch. That was a rogue wave, eight-foot-plus wave in Sabine Lake. Have you ever heard of such a thing? It was really, really crazy and really, really scary. And uh, I mentioned this story last year, and the feedback since that time of people listening to the podcast has been tremendous. And I want to just start the program because we have, like, the Star Tournament going. A lot more people are out in the water right now, huge engagement in fishing. And I just want to mention the fact that there are rogue waves in our base systems. And I was actually at the Houston Fishing Show in March and had someone come up who heard that program who said that there is a place on the Texas City Dyke, near the Texas City Dyke, where you'll have rogue waves fairly often because of the way that waves bounce off and current meets at a particular spot. And, you know, you might have seen programs on rogue waves out in the oceans, and you see these pictures of ocean liners getting whacked and stuff like that. I believe the wave that we come across in Sabine Lake came from the ship channel, from a, a, a wake of maybe a ship going too fast, and it hit the right spot at the right current. These things can happen, and you have to be prepared. 
And you're talking to someone who's done a lot of dangerous stuff in boats. We used to, I had a flat bottom 16 foot boat for years. Used to take it to the short rigs and it was on calm days. Took it to the jetties many, many times, all over Sabine Lake, many, many, maybe hundreds of times. And um, I think about what if I'd have been in my flat bottom aluminum boat when that wave came? I don't know if we could have ridden over the wave. If we would have hit us dead on, we'd have been sunk. There's no question about that. So you got to think carefully and strategically when you're going out and be prepared. Number one, you got to have your life jacket on. I don't care how macho you think you are, guys. Put your life jacket on so you can come back and see your family again. And uh, you got to be prepared for what could happen. You know, and now it is a law. You have to have, you know, the kill switch attached to you there. And uh, that is, I think that's a great law. It's going to save a lot of lives. But make sure and do that, not just because it's a law, because you could save your life. You don't want to get ran over by your boat. Uh, you want to, if, if you get hit with a wave and you get tossed out of your boat and the boat doesn't sink, or even if it just flips over, you'd like to be able to, you know, not have it a half mile away. Maybe it stops right there and you can swim to it or get on top of it to hold on to. You know, uh, you got to have a signal. I think a VHF radio is a good thing to call in for help um, if your cell phone is out of pocket or is wet. Have, have these things in waterproof containers. Lots of just little safety things to think about as summer fishing season is upon us. And also boating season as well. But to me, boats are to be used for fishing. That's what boats are for. I'm telling you right now, these rogue waves are more common than you think because I've gotten tons of feedback. If you've encountered a rogue wave in the Sabine Lake area, anywhere in the bays, Calcasieu, Galveston, anywhere you've been, maybe in another state, in a base system, email me at chester at chestermore.com. That's chester at chestermore.com. The idea is for me to do an article to raise more awareness to this issue and hopefully save some lives and make people prepared for what they may run into and maybe, um, you know, to look at some key areas and see what's going on. If we get five or six reports from one spot, then maybe there's something we can talk to officials about in terms of boat speeds in the channel or putting warning signs up and anything like that to make people think and to save their lives. That's, that's important stuff, you know, because it's a fun place to be. The water is a fun place to go spend time with your family, to go fishing, but it also can be a very, very dangerous place. And, um, you know, don't take my advice and go run to the short rigs in a flat bottom aluminum boat, but, like I said, I've been in a lot of crazy conditions, and we were in a full scale. I think it was a 24-foot bay boat, and that thing got rocked by that wave in Sabine Lake. And uh, the Gulf of Mexico is at a different level, of course. I mean, there's you know mega waves that could happen. And I'm working on a show, and I plan to have this probably around first part of August because it's taking a while to get all the uh, pieces put together about the biggest waves in the Gulf of Mexico. And tsunamis in the Gulf of Mexico. Tsunamis are a real thing. They have happened in the Gulf, and they can happen in the Gulf. And it's something that a researcher has recently said, we need to have a tsunami alert system. So we're going to talk about that on the air here probably sometime before August. And uh, I'm excited about that program because it's one of those you don't hear a lot about. And while doing research on that topic, I found evidence of a marker buoy, not a marker buoy, a buoy in the Gulf that read a hundred foot plus wave during a hurricane. Think about that. A hundred foot plus wave. If you're on the 
Veterans Memorial or Rainbow Bridge. That's halfway up. Think about that. That's taller than most of our local trees. Um, crazy stuff out there for you guys that think, well, you know what? I've always wanted to go catch tuna at night. Let's take my 24-foot bay boat and go 100 miles out and stay overnight. Okay. Um, got to be careful. Got to be wise in how you do some of these things. And I'm not trying to scare people off, but, you know, talk about reality. That's a big part of what we do here is dig into parts of the outdoors other folks don't talk about. So if you have any experience with things like rogue waves in the bay systems or You've caught yourself in crazy, bizarre weather in the Gulf of Mexico. Email me at Chester at ChesterMoore.com. I'm searching for these stories, and then we're going to put together this unique story on tsunamis and rogue waves in the Gulf of Mexico, and the threat is real. What's going on with this? You know, how we can be prepared, and uh, opening up um, a different realm of looking at our waters and letting people know the truth that's out there, because I think some of this truth has been suppressed I think some of it's because the media's just got other stuff to talk about. But these things are just as important as talking about fishing. You know, most of our shows, we talk about fishing, hunting, wildlife. But you spend time out there. The weather is a hugely important part of fishing and, and, and hunting, for example. Hiking and everything, camping. So we're going to have a few more of those kind of programs. Survival tips, all kind of cool stuff. As we continue to explore new areas here. On more outdoors. And by the way, go to the podcast link at klvi.com, podcast link at the top of the page. You go to more outdoors, listen to the archives of the programs, listen to all kinds of wild stuff we've done over the last few years in this program. Ran the gamut from interviews with um, Ted from Ted Nugent to Marty Stauffer of Wild America, Gray Thornton with the Wild Sheep Foundation, CCA president uh, Pat Murray, and our various programs from the talking about the horse killings that have happened out on the rangelands of Texas in the last year. Um, a lot of mysterious stuff, human dangers in the woods, deep biological look at our fisheries like flounder, redfish, speckled trout, largemouth bass, crappie. A lot of cool stuff and, and more motivated than ever to bring you in-depth wildlife, fishing, and hunting programming. 22 years here on More Outdoors on News Talk AM 560. KLVI. Welcome back to More Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore, and we were just talking about rogue waves and a crazy rogue wave situation I had happen on Sabine Lake. I'm sitting here to think, trying to think what year that was. That was probably around 2006 or 2000 and maybe eight, something like that. And uh, it was a serious situation. And um, go back and listen to the podcast at klvi.com when you get a chance after the program. And you can uh, check, check that out and learn more about what's going on. If you have any rogue wave encounters, email me at chester at chestermore.com. But there are other dangers out there on the waters. And one of them is the same danger that we talked about in the woods, crazy people. Um, I was fishing many years ago with um, Joe Persson and, and the late Captain Daniel Pyle. And we went out into um, the Sabine Natchez waterway. We launched at the, at the, um, at the intercoastal bridge there in 87 between Sabine Pass and Port Arthur. And um, we went to go fish around Texaco Island. And there were some guys at the island that were very drunk, in a boat, very aggressive, cussing, ranting, raving, throwing their lures right in their 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 baits with the, with the big uh, the big egg weights on their Carolina rigs with their shrimp on it right toward the boat. 
trying to incite problems. And right around that time, there have been people at that launch. I wrote a story for the Port Arthur News at the time about someone had taken a cinder block from the top of the bridge and dropped it on someone's truck under there. And so we had to we, we, we wisely decided not to confront, to come back, and these people followed us for part of the way. And so I remember going to my truck while they launched the boat, and I had my and I literally remember thinking, you know, we're gonna have to get, you know, defend ourselves. So I sat there just in case, you know, with uh, with my shotgun there uh, in the cr- in the truck just in case something crazy happened, you know. So, you know, I never had to get it out, but I had it sitting there. You never know. And we but we did the wise thing. We didn't confront. We went back, and that's the one thing that'll happen. People will fight over a fishing hole, uh, but there are some, especially when you go out at night. There tends to be more of a crazy element. Uh, it's like sometimes you go fishing at night and you come back to the boat ramp. It's like the zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's like every person who's on a chemical shows up somewhere around these areas. And um, the other side of this is is being around bank fishing destinations at night. And, uh, you know, we used to fish a lot at Pleasure Island at night as a kid. Don't do that no more. Um, I don't go fishing at night anywhere along the roadways in southeast Texas at night anymore. Uh, just because of safety factors and things that have happened. And uh, I don't necessarily not recommend it, but I recommend you don't go by yourself. You need to go in groups, and you have a lot of lighting, you have a good cell phone reception, and you're prepared because you never know what could happen. And if you start looking at some things that happen out there, you know, bad stuff can happen. And uh, there are people, you know, running around trying to, you know, rob people, carjack all those kind of things. And sometimes, you know, we're talking, we're not talking about going like the Walter Humphrey Pier. We're talking about going into obscure bank fishing location, which is this places I like to go and being careful, understand what's going on and, and not having conflicts with people. And unfortunately, men don't like being talked bad to or threatened. It takes our ego thing up, but I, I it, it really, people will die for their ego. And I got to go back to my favorite comedian of all time is Richard Pryor. And there's very few Richard Pryor things I could quote on the radio program. But one of the things Richard Pryor said, he said, I couldn't fight when I was a kid, so I developed a cool run. That way the girls would see me run and say, Richard can't fight, but he has a cool run. He also said that a broken ego heals quicker than a broken jawbone. So I look at that. Don't confront people. Back off. That way you can go fishing again, see your family again, but be aware that some of this stuff happens. And one of the reasons I talk about this tonight in particular is there are many people who listen to this program who are fairly new to fishing, fairly new to the area, don't know spots. They may just find some spot in the area to go fishing at night and not realize it's not the safe spot at night. So be safe. Um, like I said, go in groups, scout the area. If it's a high crime area, don't fish there at night, no matter how good the fishing is. And uh, find other spots that are well lit. A lot of people around tends to be a lot safer when you go out there. Because, you know, the thing that people think is going to get you when you go fishing around here is like alligators. And in my entire tenure as a wildlife journalist in the area, there have been two alligator attacks locally. And one of them was a drunk guy who purposely went in the water with the alligator. And it was like an 11-foot gator. He didn't make it, unfortunately. Um, there are safety things to do, of course. Do not feed the alligators. And most of the time, that's going to be okay. If you see one in the water approaching at night, they'll get bolder at night, back off, give the gator some space, 
probably going to be all right. Another thing we got to consider now, and that's the reality in all these areas, is feral hogs. Um, you don't think of feral hogs as a threat while you're fishing, but there is many feral hogs in spots you fish around as you hunt around in these areas. So if you see fresh hog sign, if you smell pigs, seriously, I, I have went into areas where I smelled the pig before I saw them or even heard them or you hear them grunting. Be especially careful. Have it well lit. Go into the areas with, uh, you know, and, and make sure you have with hogs in particular. A lot of area, don't, don't just have one little slot in the brush cleared out. You're fishing at night in a spot because it doesn't give you space to see the hog, just hogs that, you know, to kind of see you and realize what you are. Most of the time, they're not going to mess with you. But there are those hogs that will, especially if you're throwing fish up on the bank, you got food around, that kind of stuff. That will attract and potentially incite a hog. And those are some of the things that we have to think about these days. It's a different world out there with the number of feral hogs that we have in Southeast Texas and Southwest Louisiana. Uh, I was probably, I think how old I was before I saw my first hog. Now I'm 46. I was in my, I was probably 20 before I saw my first hog in Southeast Texas. I had seen some sign. I knew there were some there. There had been some killed on a deer lease that I had been on. But right around 1997, I was like 24. It was like the population just Boom, exploded. Started seeing lots of pigs everywhere. And now it's just catastrophic levels of hogs in areas. And we just got to use our brains, use our functional gray matter to go out there and be and know that we have to be safe around the hogs and do wise things, act wisely, and um, make sure that you know, we don't uh, ring the dinner bell for them. And this is a less of a danger, but it's a potential one. It's coyotes. You know, people don't think of coyotes as a threat, but there are coyote attacks. And we've got coyotes in some areas right now that are becoming very accustomed to people. So if you see coyotes in an area where you're fishing or whatever, do not feed them. Don't throw them the fish you were catching. Don't throw them a sandwich because the next thing that could happen is that coyote goes, hey, people are feeding me. Next person that comes back, maybe it's a 10-year-old kid whose parents shouldn't have let him drive, ride his bike three miles to go fishing by himself, and he's out there, and he says he's a coyote. He tries to hand feed it. turns into a tragedy. We've got to get to the mentality where we realize predators are predators. We call them what they are, and we act accordingly. We don't necessarily wipe all of them out, but the ones that are, ne- the ones that are causing problems, we try to remove, and the other ones, we try to manage our behavior around them. And that's going to just make a lot of sense and save some lives, save some aggravation. But these are things that that are happening here. It's the changing world that we live in, the changing wild planet that we live on. And things are fluid and um, these are different things that are going on. And, And also culturally, we talk about the dangers. I would say it's a lot more dangerous out there in the wilds than it's ever been. Uh, because of the, the methamphetamine addiction and people going out of their minds and, and you know all that kind of stuff and then some of the criminal elements. So it's got to be smart. Don't be afraid to go in the outdoors, but use your brain. Scout areas. If you know it's a high crime area, don't go fish there. Don't go. No point. Plenty of non-high crime areas to go into. If you're out at night, bank fishing. Make sure you have a group of friends with you. Things like that for people and for animals. You never know what's going to happen out there. Make sure your phone is charged, whatever you do. I am unfortunately the king of having phones that are on charge. Um, 
it's 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 almost like I have some kind of electrical currents in my body that cause phones to die quickly. But um, I always try to have an extra. I always have to have a charger. I have also have a beacon, and that be we talked about the beacon last week. That if something happens, I hit bam emergency alert, and if I fall and bust my hip up and can't get up or hurt my back or whatever's going on, I have a medical situation. It calls people, alerts emergency people, lots of things like that. You can email me at Chester at Chestermore.com. Get more information on how to get different kinds of beacons. And we're trying to keep you safe here in the great outdoors because that's what it's all about. We come back on More Outdoors. We're going to talk about one of your favorite all-time topics on More Outdoors, sharks. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore. Been having a great time tonight talking about the human dangers, the wave dangers, the wildlife dangers around the water. But people think wildlife dangers in the ocean. They think of Carcharodon carcarius, the great white shark. They think of sharks and these things. And I want to talk some about sharks tonight. Sharks that can be found in the Texas and Louisiana areas. And a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of new information that we're able to ingest. Because if you want cutting edge information on sharks, you want to go to my blog, The Wildlife Journalist. Go to thewildlifejournalist.com or go to blog.wildlifejournalist.net. That's got all my regular wildlife stuff on it. Now, my forest and mountain wildlife Highercalling.net. Got two blogs going on out there. And uh, this month in Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the cover story is about great white sharks in the Gulf of Mexico. And I am happy to say that we broke the news. We started talking about great whites in the Gulf of Mexico before anybody here, all the way back in 2005 here on More Outdoors, and I published the first article that I ever know of on great whites in the Gulf in the modern era in 2005 in Time Magazine, and I was called crazy. Had people write in and say, that was an awesome story. Then I had people write and say, you're crazy. There are no great whites in the Gulf. Well, we have been vindicated by the research at O-Search, O-C-A-R-C-H, that we have Carcharodon carcarius the great white shark in the Gulf of Mexico. And here's how it goes. The Atlantic, the Northern Atlantic great white shark population 
is based out of like the Cape Cod area. There's a concentration of sharks there and they breed. And when they have a young, when they have a baby great white, the baby great whites go into the shallower waters of the estuaries and along the beaches. And they'll follow that into the warmer waters of the Gulf of Mexico. Well, what happened was for decades, we had nets, we had pursanes, gill nets, every kind of net in the world in those waters. And when the net, and they caught every single practically young great white, uh, and obliterated the population. Well, in 19, by 1994, most of those nets, pretty much all the nets in those areas like that, were banned, illegal. And it takes about 10 years for a great white to get sexually mature. So right now, from 1994 to here to 2020, we have about two and a half generations of great white sharks that have been born that don't have nets. That's why we're seeing them in the Gulf of Mexico. OSEARCH has proven this because you can go to OSEARCH.org, it's O-C-A-R-C-H.org, and OSEARCH has tags in them. And um, they uh, they take these tags, these satellite tags, and when a shark gets to the surface, it pings the satellite and lets you know the location of the Pacific shark. We had Catherine and Betsy a few years back that caused an internet sensation. It was unbelievable. We, on this program, we had Chris from OSEARCH on the program talking about this sensation. We recently had a shark called Costa come to the Gulf of Mexico. And there was another great white that moved in the Gulf of Mexico recently, uh, about three months ago, that came all the way past the Mississippi River, headed west, and uh, ended up turning back, but it was kind of headed toward Texas. Now, not all of the great whites out there have an O-Search tag in them. That means there's great whites that we haven't seen yet. And I guarantee you there are some that swim around the Texas coast. And uh, in, the, in that groundbreaking article I wrote in Ty, we talked about historical documents in Port Aransas, Texas, of great whites in the 1930s. And the one that I wrote for Texas Fish and Game a couple of years back, we had the documents from NOAA where there were great whites kind of long lines in the Florida part of the Gulf of Mexico around the Florida panhandle. So these great whites and things are out there. And uh, it's something that... You know, what got me on this was uh, Captain Ryan Warhola back in 2005 calls me from a satellite phone. He said, Chester, I need some shark ID. I said, dude, I thought you were in the Gulf. He goes, I am. I'm 55 miles out. I need an answer. What does a great white's teeth look like? And I said, man, they're perfect triangles. He goes, well, what does a Mako's look like? I said, they're real dragon. He goes, oh, my God, I'm looking in a great white. He had pulled up to a rig. He put the rig hook on, drifts back, puts the chum out, and a 14 to 15 foot shark comes up. He gets a look at the teeth and their perfect triangles. It was a great white shark. You see, mako sharks, which are known to be more in the Gulf of Mexico when you go out toward the blue water, are very close kin to great whites. Look a lot like great whites, but they, they're, they're a little smaller and they have the uh, more jagged teeth where a great white has a kind of the perfect triangles. And um, it was just mind blowing and it got me into a deep investigation. I have a great white shark tattoo tattoo on my left shoulder. I have three tattoos, and that's the one tattoo that I, the first one I got to commemorate my lifelong dream of encountering great whites, which I did back in 2002 in California by cage diving and seeing four great whites cage diving there off the Farallon Islands in California. So, you know, Jaws is one of the movies that changed my life. I, I was the weird kid who saw Jaws and wanted to get in the water. My dad talked about going out to McFadden Beach when they used to go to McFadden a lot. And they would wade out. So my dad couldn't even swim, which is a crazy part. They wade up shoulder deep to cast their rods for big bull reds. 
Jaws comes out in 1975. He said, I waded up to my knees. It changed culture. It changed the way people thought about them. I saw Jaws, and I wanted to get in the water. I had to see this. It was just like a, a thing. I kind of became a cross between Richard Dreyfuss's character in the movie and Captain Quinn in the movie, right? right? So it was a really interesting thing culturally with that. Now, a lot of people went out and killed a bunch of big sharks and stuff for a while, but basically... Long-term, Jaws was good for sharks. It raised a lot of awareness. A lot of people know the sharks are vital to our ecosystem. So there are great whites in the Gulf. You can read the cover story of Texas Fishing Game this month that I wrote about that and go to the Wildlife Journalist, my blog, and read that. If you, you just go to Tripe Wildlife, the Wildlife Journalist in, in Google, and you'll find it. Um, also, we have bull sharks here. My friend, Captain Derek York, um, who works for Texas Parks and Wildlife and also operates Spot Stalker Guide Service, a great guide. Um, he uh, does long lining with Texas Parks and Wildlife as part of a thing with the federal government to count sharks in the coastal waters. And they caught like a 10-foot bull shark about a mile off of High Island last year. I mean, huge bull shark. The biggest they've caught, which I believe was in the Crystal Beach area, uh, it may have been more toward High Island, was a 13-foot lemon shark. That's a massive, massive shark. I don't care who you are. That is an absolutely massive shark, but those things are out there. We have them in our local waters. Um, Tiger sharks are present in local waters. I have never seen a tiger shark in the water. I've seen bull sharks, black tips, spinners, hammerheads, um, bonnetheads, Atlantic sharp-nosed, black-nosed sharks. Never ran into a tiger shark out there. Never into a mako, for that matter. I uh, think I've seen a lemon shark once. Uh, sometimes you see stuff around the rigs. You're not exactly sure what you're looking at. But, um, you know, what's really interesting is we think of sharks in terms of danger to us, but we're a much bigger threat to them. In 1969, there was a consortium of scientists to met. And they were going to determine what was the most abundant large animal on Earth. And they judged large animal, whether it was in the ocean or on the ground, by weighing 100 pounds or more. And they determined that the, the most abundant large animal on Earth was the oceanic white tip shark. Okay? Since 1969, in the Gulf of Mexico... There has been a 99% decrease, 99%, 99% decrease in oceanic white tip populations. And globally, it's in the 90%, um, not, not quite that high, but in the 90% decrease of oceanic white tips. What happened? Long lining. Now, Derek and them do catch and release tagging long lining for sharks for Texas Parks and Wildlife and a joint project with the federal government. This is commercial long lining where they fin for the Asian market. They, they cut the fins off, throw the rest back, and they kill millions of sharks a year. And oceanic white tips are an open water feeding shark where they put long lines out. They're very aggressive because they live in open water and they e easily go in these long lines. Now, Derek's been catching sharks for years. He's never even known one of these people running these long lines that's seen an oceanic white tip. I have never known anyone who's seen an oceanic white tip in the Gulf. Incredible. We had Dr. Guy Harvey on the program two years ago. You know Guy Harvey from his awesome billfish and shark and sea turtle shirts and all the great art. One of the great, the greatest marine ocean artist of all time and probably the greatest living ocean conservationist. He's kind of taken the mantle of Jacques Cousteau since then. And we talked in depth about oceanic white tips, some of his art for that on the program a couple of years ago. And that began this study for me on the oceanic white tip. And that's one of the fish that we do have in the Gulf of Mexico that's it, it's there. 
There are a few because there's records for them and stuff, but they're very, very um, rare. It's a shame because it shows differences in what we've done and how we slaughtered these fish. And we've got to be better stewards of what's going on out there. So uh, when we come back on more outdoors, we're going to talk more about sharks, some sharks you might not have heard of before, and a few other cool things swimming around the oceans. And you're going to have your mind blown by one of them here on More Outdoors. Welcome back to More Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore having an incredible time tonight talking about sharks. The last two segments we talked earlier about human dangers on the water, rogue waves, and I'm telling you, you're not going to hear this stuff anywhere else. Where are you going to hear this stuff at? We're not trying to tell you how many you know, shrimp mama has the bait camp left. That's great. We're trying to give you deep, in-depth information on what you're going to encounter in the water, on the woods, southeast Texas, southwest Louisiana, and beyond. And I love talking about wildlife of the Gulf of Mexico and um, the shark population. We've covered the fact that great whites are established and increasing in the Gulf of Mexico. And, and, I, and I am predicting there will be a great white caught or seen within the next two years in Texas waters and caught on video. That is going to happen. I'd love to be the guy that did it, by the way. Um, we talked about the 13-foot lemon shark called by Texas Parks and Wildlife in a long line, just about two miles off the beach between High Island and Crystal Beach. Talked about the tragedy of the oceanic white tip being the most common large animal on the planet in 1969, and their population decreased 99% in the waters. There's some other sharks that have decreased. You ever heard of a sand tiger shark? Have you ever been to Moody Gardens or the Texas State Aquarium or the Aquarium of the Americas or the Georgia Aquarium or any of these places? You've seen sand tigers. They are the most popular and important shark in aquariums because they're large. They're typically docile and they have the gnarly teeth, right? So the big sharks with the gnarly teeth you see in these aquariums are sand tiger sharks. Also caught a gray nurse in certain areas like in South Africa. These things have also decreased dramatically in the Gulf of Mexico. I found records of them uh, being caught at Sabine Pass in nets back in the 1960s regularly. And I've never heard of one, never seen one caught in the area. And if you've ever caught or have photos or video of an oceanic white tip or a Santa Tiger shark in Louisiana or Texas waters, Email me at chester at chestermore.com, chester at chestermore.com. I would love to get that information out there for the people to raise awareness of what's going on. But there's a lot of things in the ocean that are there. Sawfish or another one, uh, sawfish numbers. My friend Tanya Wiley has a Havenworth Coastal Conservation directed at sawfish. We're trying to have her back on the program. She was on last year for a segment. Uh, sawfish numbers have just plummeted, right? They're just plummeted. But there were sawfish. The last sawfish I heard of caught in our area was in a shrimp trawl in, I think it was 83 by uh, Captain Robert Vale talked about catching a little baby juvenile. They used to catch monster sawfish out of a bolivar in, in Sabine and areas like that. That's another one. Now, there's a couple of them that people don't typically think about being in the oceans out here. One of them is the octopus. Did you know there's a good chance at the Galveston Jetties and the Sabine jetties, that there are octopus there. Yes, octopus. One of my favorite top five articles I've ever written in my life was called Texas Tentacles. I did it for Texas Fishing Game Magazine. It was about octopus and waters. That's a great story, an incredible story of a fishing guide who was off a rig in Corpus Christi back in the 70s. And he pulls up to the rig, and the guys working the rig are eating lunch, and they're throwing their scraps in the water, and like the spade fish and a little different fish are eating the scraps. And uh, he puts his, his rod down, thinking he's going to catch a big snapper. Bam! Gets a hookup, reels up a gallon uh, glass, well, he's doing glass, a milk jug. And he's like, 
and the people are laughing. So you're going to have some, you know, you're going to have some uh, peanut butter with that milk or whatever. What happened was an octopus had grabbed his, his bait and took it inside the milk jug. And so he busted the glass, showed him the, um, the octopus and put it back in the water. Really cool. But octopus here on the Texas coast. I mean, there are numerous species of octopus at the Flower Gardens National National Marine Sanctuary. And, um, you know, that is, an, I mean, every, every kid in Texas and along the Gulf Coast should learn about the Flower Gardens, the biodiversity there of this incredible, fertile coral reef. It's the northernmost coral reef in the Western Hemisphere. And it's right off the Texas coast, about 125 miles Beautiful area has several species of octopus, which is which is really cool. And I, and I like to talk about stuff like this because people don't really think about like octopus being in the Gulf of Mexico, but they are. And that's another one. If you've caught an octopus or got photos or video of an octopus in Texas waters or Louisiana waters, email me at chester at chestermore.com. That's chester at chestermore.com. Lots of cool stuff. And you're going to learn. You need to listen to this program. If you love wildlife, you want to hear stuff before anybody else talks about it. I mean, we talked about black bears, migration routes in East Texas a couple weeks ago, man. No one else is talking about this stuff. You need to more outdoors every Friday here from 6 to 7 p.m. on News Talk 560 KLVI. Also, the podcast you can get download from the iHeartMedia app or just go to klvi.com and click on the podcast link at the top of the page. You'll go back and just have lots of engaging wildlife programs. You see, I feel alive when I get to tell you guys interesting stuff that I I crave studying this and I love having you guys being able to enter to engage you because it makes people think about wildlife in a positive way and the right way to manage it the right way to manage our fisheries and stuff like that you know and having things like octopus out there in the water is amazing barracudas are another one I mean we got barracudas off the Texas coast I have uh, seen barracudas I was in a boat when a four and a half footer was caught out of Port Aransas and um, that's when you don't think about my favorite. I have two great Barracuda memories. One's on my honeymoon 21 years ago. Me and Lisa are snorkeling at the Christ of the Abyss statue in Key Largo, Florida. And um, I'm under the boat shooting some photos. And I look under the, I mean, I look, I look directly under the boat in like the shadow. And there's a big fish. And it looked for a second, just the, the, the silhouette looked like a Lacobia, a ling. I swam up and realized it's a big Barracuda. I snapped a photo and I made a big cardinal mistake. I had a flash. So I flash and then I have teeth. And literally, like two inches from my face, it stopped. Freaked me out. I you know, swam off. I get a picture. I go up to the top. I tell the people, hey, man, there is a huge cuda under the boat. And they go, that's psycho. I said, no, it's not psycho. It's a real story, man. I'm not lying. He goes, no, that's its name. And there was a guy that did a thing called the creature feature down there where they fed, he fed a um, barracuda and, uh, and other stuff every day. And he said, oh, by the way, don't flash it. It's going to come up and try to get your flash. I'm like, well, too late for that information. Another one is I'm diving in Cozumel. Uh, we were staying in a place called El Cozumelino, which was at the time in 2000, the only resort on the beach in Cozumel. There was a rock jetty went out there. So we rented dive gear and I dove right there off the jetty. And I remember popping up just right at the, the last area, like where it was like about five and a half, so it was about seven feet deep right there, right where a few people were swimming. And I said, guys, 
there's three barracudas right between you. And it was like people were wanting to just, just and they're not real big. We just want to know there's some barracudas. If you got jewelry or something on, it was like mass migration out of there. So Chester Moore, the bearer of bad news, the prophet of ocean doom, I guess. But uh, those were kind of kind of funny things out there. And I just want to say something right now. We are in such a hyper political environment where people are saying this on one side or saying this on the other. I make a stand for wildlife. I make a stand for the oceans. I make a stand for the forest and the mountains. I am a hunter. I make no apologies for killing my own dinner. I believe in conscientious hunting and conservation. I'm a fisherman. I believe in catch and release the big ones, eat the smaller ones. I love having fish in game of my diet. I use paper. I can't be against paper use. I use paper. I make my living out of a lot of publications. At the same time, there is nothing left-wing. There is nothing wrong with wanting to have clean water. We've got to get past the point where people talk about wildlife without killing it and they're like oh my god you must be a greenie no 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 i'm a human and i like to have clean water and clean air that's that seems like a no no brainer to me but i just want to share that with you because we're in such a hyper environment of people on on just different sides of the aisle thinking that you can't even make a statement that's not towing the political line i don't tow the political line that's idiotic i'm a human i'm american i think for myself and i you know uh I'm very conservative in, in, in things, but I'm also like hate pollution. So if you hear me say sometimes, you know, you need to have a clean waters. Yeah, you think? Uh, don't get upset. It's just an American concept that I want waters that doesn't have cancer-causing agents in it. Who'd have thunk? But the reason I talk about a lot of this, it makes people think. People appreciate the wildlife, the fisheries. They want clean water, clean air, better life, better world for all of us. And that's really what it's about. And this chaos has been erupting in America and around the world. We have COVID-19, the riots, all these things. I find sanctuary in the Lord, and I find sanctuary in the wild. The wild does it for me. I go out there, as the great Fred Bear, the father of the modern archery movement, said it cleanses the soul. And that's exactly what it does. So if you feel depressed, you feel lonely, you feel sad, go out into the wild seek God's presence, go out into the wild, find that spot, that secret stream you can fish with your fly rod, that secret place you can go catch that big snook or that big trout, or go scout in the woods for deer season coming up. Enjoy the outdoors. Embrace it. God bless you guys, and have an amazing, and I do mean amazing, outdoors weekend. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.